You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. Coach Meg is back, and I'm so excited. When... I first started the podcast. I envisioned Meg as a much more frequent recurring guest than she has been. Life just happens really fast. Um, But she's back today. And we're going to be talking about the lessons we've learned from consistently exercising for decades. So we don't have exact math on how many years it is combined, but it's in the the 30s, 30-ish years of working out. Um, So we tossed around the idea of kind of being cute with it and trying to give you the same number of lessons as number of years. And we don't want to be held to that. So it's just going to be a bunch of lessons from a bunch of years and that'll have to be good enough. So welcome back, Meg. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's my favorite place to come and talk. So yay. Yay. Okay. So let's kind of set the scene because I know if you follow either of us on social media, Meg is better at this than I am, but we share bits and pieces of our workouts and you see us exercising pretty consistently, may have some thoughts about what our kind of journey has been like. You know, Maybe you think we've always been athletes or maybe you don't think we're athletes at all. <laughs> I don't really see myself that way, but um, I wanted to kind of walk you guys through our evolution when it comes to exercise. So you can see that we've done a lot of things. We've learned a lot of lessons through trial and error and have really both kind of settled into balanced, happy places. So Meg, why don't you walk us through your history with exercise from kind of as far back as as is relevant to the present? Well, I think that actually like this kind of job, this kind of what I do now is so far from who I was. Um, So I grew up, I didn't do any sports in high school. I didn't do any sports in college. Um, I might have gone and done some elliptical once in a while at the gym because, you know, 30 minutes on the elliptical, keep it in that heart rate zone. Um, And then after college, um, I, again, I was busy. I did some kickboxing classes, which I really enjoyed. Um, I was in New York City, so I walked a ton, but it wasn't really until after I had kids that I got into what I um, do now. It wasn't even what I do now, but I I started experimenting a bit more. Um, At first, I did a lot of running. I ran a couple of half marathons. I ran a full marathon. I said, that's enough of that. (laughs) And I started, um, my husband was really into, I think it was called Jim Jones. There was a program called Jim Jones about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And um, he wanted me to try CrossFit. And we were in Savannah at the time. And I knew a couple of people who went to a CrossFit box. I went when they did 12 Days of Christmas, which is one of CrossFit's worst workouts. I said, F that shit. I'm never coming back. And then I proceeded to do CrossFit for like the next, I don't know, five years. So there's that. Um, Then I was looking for a new goal. I got into bodybuilding for a bit. I did a couple of um, bikini shows. And then after that, it took, I kind of floundered for a while. 
Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go back into CrossFit. That just sounded exhausting. I didn't want to do bodybuilding. That sounded exhausting. Um, And then right before COVID, I kind of found a program that worked for me. Um, And I work out four or five days a week for about 20 minutes. And I'm just super consistent with it. And I am happier now doing what I'm doing now, doing less intentionally than I really have been before. And I, uh, I'm in a happy place. That's definitely going to be one of our lessons that sometimes less is more. So my evolution, kind of similar in the sense that I just kind of bopped around doing, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that for a long time. I did play sports in high school, but really only because I went to a very small high school where you don't need to be good to play sports. Nobody got cut from the teams or like weren't even tryouts or anything. So it was just what everyone did. I think I, I would get some movement in practice. I would not see a lot of action in games. Um, and it was actually in high school that I started going to the local YMCA when I got my license. I don't know what it prompted exactly, but I started going to the Y after school and just kind of dabbling. I know I did mostly cardio. I was on the elliptical and the Stairmaster a lot. And then probably just out of curiosity, started doing the Nautilus circuit, which like feels so old school, but you know, the machines that are kind of set up in like an oval and you just sit on one and you do the thing and then you move to the next, you do the thing. Um, so that was kind of my intro to it. And then in college, I, I probably did like some light, you know, arms and things like that, but was definitely mostly doing cardio. I remember bringing flashcards to the basement gym and studying on the treadmill and stuff like that. And then I had a stint at a boxing gym. I had a very emotional breakup. Okay, I was only dating for a few months, like it wasn't really a big deal, but really rocked me to my core. And I started getting up my aggression with boxing. And then after college, I think is when I, I guess I just probably had more time on my hands. So I started going to a lifting kind of gym getting more into strength training, longer workouts. I had a membership at a hot yoga studio. I was training for half marathons. That was probably the the peak of like spending the most time exercising. And then like you, my husband or my now husband introduced me to CrossFit, did that for a good long time. And then once I had Mattis, I was like, well, I'm not risking driving across town with a baby who hopefully will cooperate while I try to work out to then maybe not actually get to work out and then have spent the half the day trying to do it and blah, blah, blah. So I started doing CrossFit style workouts at home, got the Peloton, started walking more and like you have kind of found a lot more enjoyable and balanced place where I do a little bit of a lot of things, but none of them too extreme. So here we are. Now that's our, that's our lives in a nutshell. And Let's talk about the lessons. So these are in no particular order. We may some of them sound, might sound a little bit repetitive. We basically both we have a Google Doc that we both contributed to, kind of made made our notes, and we haven't dived dove, dove, dove dived too deeply into each other. So you might hear a little bit of repetition when uh, when we contribute similar things. But these are our thoughts. So Meg, why don't you go first? So um, I think the first lesson that I have really taken is to find how exercise adds to your life, right? 
because it is meant to enhance your life. It's not meant to be a punishment. You're not meant to do it in order to burn off the calories that you had in the cheesecake last night or anything like that. And um, it's kind of like putting money in a bank sort of, right? I think that 90-year-old you will definitely thank current day you for picking up that barbell, for doing those squats. Um, You know, when you are older and able to walk up and down the stairs and able to get up and off, you know, up and down off the toilet and all the things that like we take for granted in my, you know, I'm in my forties. So I really do think that my future year, my future me is going to be thanking my current me for, for doing these things. And, you know, even, you know, 15 minutes from a workout, your post-workout you is going to thank your pre-workout you because those, those, the feelings that you have after you work out, I think are pretty much unmatched. That's such a good one. I very much remember the years that I spent feeling like exercise was a punishment for what I ate, or I was earning my indulgences by exercising more. And it's just exhausting. And it really takes all of the pleasure right out of it when you're trying to like balance your checkbook with exercise. That's a good way of putting it. I really like putting it that way, balancing your checkbook with exercise because you just can't do it. You just can't. You just can't. You're going to make yourself crazy and it's not, it's not going to work anyway. So the first one I have is that having a base of strength helps literally everything. I feel and I don't think about it often, but while we're talking about it, I feel so proud of how strong I am in the sense that it doesn't even occur to me to not be able to do things by myself. When you know, you know, both of our husbands are in the military, we've gone long periods of time where they're just not around. So any of that sort of stereotypical gender roles of, oh, well, the, you know, the man will do the heavy lifting or you know, move the furniture, whatever it is, I can do that by myself. And I Every time it comes up, I'm so grateful for the time that I spent in the gym allowing myself to get strong because now it doesn't matter what it is. I can pick up the bike. I can pick up Mattis. I can, if we had a dog, you know, the heavy bags of dog food, whatever it is, I can flip the mattress. It, I, my body is not what's holding me back from being able to do things. And I think that's such a gift. And on the flip side of that, not really the flip side, but related to that is just how much stronger most women are than you probably think. We go from picking up these heavy, gangly kids, you know, flailing around, limbs everywhere, who weigh, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds and carrying them, you know, who knows where. And then we get in the gym and we're like, oh, no, nothing more than five pounds. So just think when we talk about, you know, lifting heavy and, and the benefits of strength training and needing to, you know, what, what it looks like to actually see results from that. If you're regular lift, lifting 35 pounds in, your day-to-day life with your kids, that's a good place to kind of set your sights when you're in the gym and not sell yourself short and think, I'm too weak for that. No, you're not. You're much stronger than you think. I totally agree. I think that um, it gives you a sense of self-confidence that you just can't get from any from anything else, really. Um, so the second point, sort of the second point, third point, I don't know where we are at this point, but um, it took me a long time to realize that exercise is more than just looking good. Although that's a great benefit. um, It is more so for me, it's more so that, that 
mental uh, aspect of it. And I know that you have a couple more points on this. Yes. So that was something that I wanted to touch on too, is I think exercise can be a great mental outlet. That <laughs> Nothing really feels better to me now when I'm stressed or anxious or emotional or whatever <clears throat> than going for a walk or doing a Peloton ride or doing a really intense workout, just something to kind of pull yourself out of your head, push your body and sweat it out. I think there's so much value in that. However, I think it's really important to note that exercise isn't therapy. You see a lot of those memes, exercise is my therapy or exercise is cheaper than therapy or whatever. And it certainly plays a role in your stress management and your mental health, but it actually isn't a replacement for talking to a mental health professional. And in fact, if you are chronically stressed, intense exercise is only exacerbating that. So I think it's really important to know kind of the limits of exercise as a mental health strategy and to pair it with other ways to cope and learn to deal with your emotions and things like that. I was probably one of those people who used to say that exercise is my therapy, right? That gym is my therapy, that going to the CrossFit box for four hours a day was my therapy. And you know, too much of a good thing sometimes. Exactly. All right. Let me see where we at. We're going a little out of order. Um, okay. You touched on this a second ago, but oh no, I'm skipping ahead. Just kidding. Um, okay. So another one is one really important lesson I learned is that it's really not about the time spent exercising, as in, working out for 60 minutes or 90 minutes a day is not necessarily better or more productive than 30 minutes of focused, strategic exercise. When I was personal training at the Boston Sports Club, I was in my early 20s. I was with, you know, I was coming up with a lot of other trainers who were also in their early 20s. Like our whole kind of social life revolved around the gym between clients we were working out, off shift we were working out. It's just what we did. And I definitely had this belief that if I couldn't get in at least an hour, it wasn't even worth doing. And then, you know, fast forward to being a mom and having this tiny baby that I needed to look after all the time. I just, I could have made the time for more. I just wasn't willing to spend that amount of time anymore. And what I've learned now, Mattis is three and a half now, and I'm in about the best shape I've ever been in. And I'm doing much, much less. My day-to-day -day now is probably 20, 30 minutes of lifting, maybe a 10, 15-minute Peloton ride at lunch, and a walk. And then sometimes Gray and I will do yoga in the evenings or something like that. So I'm not doing a ton, not spending a ton of time. I'm not doing a ton of intensity. But what I am is focused, strategic, and consistent. And that is what has led to my getting better results in with less of a time investment. That's a that's a big one, doing it with intention and doing less of the extra stuff that doesn't really mean anything in the in, in the end. So yeah, and um, I feel like that, that's such a good point because a lot of the extra time is just fluff. If oh, if absolutely. I was at the you know the gym for an hour, I was probably resting or talking or you know trying to trying to flirt 
for a good chunk of that time. So really what I've done, especially now that I'm working out at home, there are no distractions. It gets done. It's not even necessarily that the work I'm doing is less. It's just a lot more focused. There's a lot less fluff. Yep. I totally agree with that. So the next point is that exercise isn't about weight loss. It's about you and your time with yourself. And if your constant focus is about weight loss, it will make exercising a struggle because you're just not going to out-exercise a diet. That goes so well with one that I want to touch on is to just not do it for the calorie burn. One of the most frequently asked questions I see in Peloton groups is, you know, what workouts will burn the most calories? Or I noticed that my output was higher, but my calories were lower or my Apple watch just updated and now my calories are lower, things like that. And it's just such a useless metric to be, to be tracking. We already know that the calorie, the activity trackers have a huge margin of error. So it's really just like you could ask your kid to pick a number between, you know, 75 and 300 and like that's about as good a guess as your activity tracker. So having that be your sole focus or stressing about, you know, the fat burning zone or should I do this before that or what's the best exercises for this? Like it's just none of it is is as important as you think. So I think like you said to kind of decouple exercise from weight loss. May it have a role? Sure, absolutely. But if you start to separate them, and we talk in coaching about having your nutrition and your exercise on separate effort dials, when you don't think about them like a package deal, it's a lot easier to get the benefits out of exercise when you're not kind of losing sight of that because you're so focused on the weight loss piece. I totally agree with that as well. (laughs) No big surprise. (laughs) So the next point is that exercising, following through on your commitment to exercise is one of the best ways you can build the reputation with yourself. And we talk about this a lot in our coaching program about following through on your word to yourself. And that's one of the best ways to gain self-confidence. And I think that, you know, you be, there have been lots of times that I've said, I just am a person who exercises on Mondays, like, unless I'm like really sick or, you know, something out of my control. If I have any part in that, I'm going to be exercising on Monday, regardless of what else is going on. And it makes me feel good that I know that. And I have a confidence in myself knowing that I follow through on what I say I'm going to do. This is one of my favorites. And I think this is probably one of the biggest lessons that exercising has taught me and that I hope you guys listening start to see for yourselves is just how much following through on those commitments to yourself spills over into other areas of your life. If you guys haven't listened yet to episode 57, that's the last um, episode that Meg and I did together. And it's all about building reputation with yourself or repairing your reputation. And this is a big piece of it. And I think exercise is kind of like this micro example of how to do that, that then kind of spiders out into the other areas of your life. The way I think about it is that I've created this identity in my workouts as someone who doesn't quit. 
And contrary to popular belief, I would say like when we're, this probably goes for both of us, when we're in the midst of the actual workout, we're not enjoying it. We're not like, we got, you know, some big smiles on our faces. Like, oh, I just love doing this. We're like pretty much everybody in that what we like is the way we feel afterward, the way it helps us look, the way it helps us feel. And the actual act isn't necessarily what we're, you know, so jazzed about. But so anyway, so all that to say, I have a lot of moments mid-workout where I want to quit or my brain starts to doubt me. And I'm like, I don't know if you can do this again. That was heavy or you can't go as fast again. All sorts of that kind of chatter. And it's been, I've been exercising consistently for like 16 years since I got my driver's license. And over that time, I have just decided I don't quit, period. So I can, those thoughts can pop into my brain. That's fine. I'm not actually going to entertain them. I can think about like, oh yeah, it would feel really good to quit, but I'm not going to do it. There is no doubt in my mind that I'm going to see the workout through once I've started it. And that has taught me such like mental fortitude and resilience. And just the fact that I can do hard things that in the moment I feel like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I do it. And then I feel so proud. So then that carries over into whatever it is, building this business or any relationships or you know just anything. When something feels hard, I have that kind of evidence to pull from of like, oh yeah, well, that workout felt hard this morning and I did that. So I guess that means I can do hard things. Let's carry on. Well, and also I think that it's important to note that this is something that you and I have built, like that mental resilience is something that you and I have built over the last decade or plus, you know, and it is not something that has always come naturally to me as far as not quitting there, you know, back in the day, (laughs) it was a Tuesday back in the day. Um, I would have quit. Um, I would not have been as consistent as I am at all. And it is just, it's a matter of starting small and really perfecting, you know, I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe to begin with. And then maybe it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, then maybe, you know, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, until you get to um, a place that is, that works for you to an amount that works for you. But it took some time to build that up before I got to, this is just what I do on these days. And, um, you know, I think that it kind of goes for so many other aspects of your life as well. If you start small and add to it, then it just, it, it's not a big deal. That's such a good point. And I think so many of us want to skip the basics. We feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a million times that I should schedule my workouts and I should do them, you know, consistent days and times. And we want to kind of be beyond that phase. So we just skip right over it. But in reality, that's what it takes. Like you need to master the basics first and build that foundation. And if that means creating anchors out of an otherwise kind of fluid day, then that's where to start. And exactly like you said, kind of build from there. We talk a lot about setting goals that you can actually reach. And one of the biggest issues I see is that we're frustrated with ourselves for not doing anything. We're not doing enough. And we set the bar super high. We set the bar immediately at where we ultimately want to be. And then time and time again, we fall short of that place. And instead of being like, okay, well, obviously this way of going about it isn't working. Let me start smaller. We just kind of keep beating our heads into that wall. So I think you're so smart to be stressing that, you know, 
start with scheduling it, get it in the calendar. And like you said, maybe it's only two or three days a week at first. And then once that feels like just what you do, then add in the next day and just kind of play that long game of knowing I'll get there eventually. And it's going to be a lot more likely to stick if I've done it gradually. And if I'm patient and if I just focus on that consistency and and putting in the groundwork, that's going to pay off down the road. And I often ask my clients to put in their calendar and schedule it like they would an appointment with a friend because you are the most important person in your life and you should not uh, cancel appointments with yourself. Um, And then you do that enough and you actually start to identify as the woman who works out. You start to identify as the, the active person who chooses to go for a walk instead of you know, Netflix, Netflix and chill. Like you, you start choosing these things that support your identity as an active person. Yeah. It's interesting how gradually it happens. I'm thinking back to when I was pregnant and prior to that, I had really never like walked for, for leisure or for, for, uh, for exercise, I guess. And then, you know, everything I read said walking is good for the baby and will hopefully help you have an easier delivery. So I was like, okay, sign me up. And now, I seldom miss a day because I know it feels good to move. It feels good to get outside, even when the weather sucks. And that just kind of become part of what I do. But it takes time to get there. And I think we very often put this self-imposed pressure on ourselves that like, well, if it doesn't feel like who I am, or if it doesn't feel easy by the end of this month or these three months, then it's just not meant to be. It's just not who I'll ever be. And that's just not the case. Like we're we're looking back on literally decades of doing this. And a lot of what we're talking about has gotten cemented over the period of years, not days or weeks or even months. Okay. So I have so- one that um <laughs> that I don't like. I know you guys aren't gonna like, but was a rude awakening for me. And I think we need to talk about, which is that even though exercise has a ton of benefits, exercising consistently in the sense that you you know ride your Peloton most days or you strength train a few times a week, go to Orange Theory, that sort of thing, doesn't make us truly active people or give us really active lifestyles. I see this a lot when we're talking to people about setting calorie targets and they're looking at, okay, I need an activity multiplier. How, how active am I? And unfortunately, the reality of it is that most of us are a lot more sedentary than we want to believe. We can get a lot of benefits from what we do inside the gym or you know inside our home gyms or whatever. But what we do outside of our intentional exercise has a much bigger impact Overall, if you actually broke down how you're spending your time, I sleep eight hours a night. I have a sedentary job where I'm at the computer at least six hours a day. I work out, you know, maybe a combined hour a day. I sit on the couch in the evenings. If you looked at all the time I'm spending sitting and sleeping, it's most of it. So, as much as I do identify as a a fit and healthy person, I, I don't have a particularly active lifestyle. And I think what can help put it in perspective is thinking about like every person on earth on the same spectrum where, you know, if, um, if Gray or Jason are gone on work trips, they might be carrying 
75 pounds a gear on their feet, running, walking, you know, whatever they do for 12, 16, 18 hours a day. And I'm sitting here, you know, at the kitchen table most of the day, except for when I hop up and do a Peloton ride. So, you know, if, if someone at that end of the spectrum is very active, well, then I can't also be very active because there's a big difference between the two of us. So it just kind of helps show that most of us are on that sedentary or lightly active end of the spectrum. And it's not, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm not saying that to like make you feel bad, but more so that we need to be realistic with ourselves. It's very common to um, kind of overstate our activity. And that can cause a lot of frustration, especially if you're trying to lose weight. So sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> So, and I think that a lot of our clients come to us thinking that they are much more active than they are, which is one of the reasons why we like them to track their steps. Cause it's just, it's not necessarily the steps. That's not what it's about. It's, it's, you know, my watch kind of just gives me a general idea of my movement throughout the day. And, you know, I know I generally want to get between this and this, you know, number of steps. It doesn't mean that those are steps. It just means general activity level throughout the day. Because like you, I am completely sedentary, really, when you look at the big picture, when you look at the 23 and a half hours, I'm not spending, you know, lifting weights, because that 30 minutes is such a small blip in the big picture. So while we don't want you to be prisoners to your fitness trackers, um, and we want you to understand that that's you know, it's an estimate. There is some sort of consistency with, you know, seeing every day, like, oh, my watch buzzed because I got 7,500 steps. Like, I know, like, it's always kind of like a little like, oh, okay, I got that. Like, you feel a little accomplished when, you, when you've done that before, I don't know, like noon, that would be a you know, crazy day. But I think that keeping track of those little things um, of your movement is a good idea to, to show you how sedentary or active you may be. Yeah, exactly. And it, like a lot of the stuff we talk about, it's just data. It's just kind of showing you an objective reality. Then you get to decide, do I want to accept that I'm just relatively sedentary or do I want to develop a more active lifestyle? Do I want to adopt some more active hobbies? Do I want to make a more intentional effort to sit less and move more. And that doesn't mean exercise more, but just kind of figure out, well, what would it look like to do more stuff? We were just talking about how the weather is getting nice here. For the first time ever, we have a house, we have a garden. I don't garden, but I could. If I decided I want to be sitting less throughout the day, that would be an easy thing that I could do that would get me up and moving in a way that didn't feel like a chore or like a workout, but would contribute to me just generally moving more. So that's what we mean um, when we say just kind of collect this data and, and be more objective. This, nothing has to change, but at least now you're making informed choices with all the information. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in Foundations. Foundations is our six-week group coaching program designed to help you remove every obstacle standing in between you and the weight loss you're after. Learn how to overcome the overwhelm of getting started, stop buying into BS that only yields short-term results, and learn how to master the big rocks you need to lose the weight and keep it off without sacrificing your quality of life in the process. 
Whether you want to lose 15 pounds or 150 pounds, we can help you in foundations. For all the info and to join, go to estereyvent.com slash foundations. So the next point would be that it would be to stop telling yourself that you're not athletic. Um, simply by moving more, you become athletic. And some people are naturals, but other people develop their athleticism over time. I never touched a weight until I was at least 30. Didn't have any desire to see, you know, I was one of those of lifting makes you bulky kind of, you know, people. It doesn't, by the way. Um, but I never did anything athletic in high school, in college, any of that. Um, I still don't really consider myself all that athletic. I just consider myself consistent. And that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So, you know, you can you can rewrite that story that you have been telling yourself about your abilities. That's exactly the note that I was just making. That we just have so many stories we tell ourselves that you know, I'm not a runner unless I've done a 5K or unless I can do a mile in under this time. That I am too my muscles are too tight to do yoga or to consider myself a yogi or things like that. These are just labels that you're just putting yourself in boxes. You don't need to. Um, and something that came up when we were actually scheduling this podcast is not putting yourself in a box of like a morning exerciser or really constraining yourself to any sort of time. For years, I would tell myself, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's not going to happen. And then, of course, I just made that be true. And I think both of us in the last handful of years have really realized, well, I'm just a fit and healthy person who works out when it works for my schedule, whether that's my preferred time to get it out of the way early or whenever it just happens to work that day. So I think, you know, take note of those stories and then just recognize you made that up. You can change that if you want. You can be somebody who does whatever type of workout you want and does it whenever. And that's all cool. When we were first scheduling this, you were like, won't this, because we're doing this really early on East Coast time. And you were like, won't that cut into your workout time? And I was like, no, I'm flexible. Remember? <laughs> so. That was that was so perfect. And that that really is it. There is a time that anything that disrupted my routine would send me into a tailspin. And it's just so freeing now to just know and have that belief in myself that it's important to me. So it's going to get done. The end. The end. <laughs> um, so then that brings us to the next point. Is, and that is do what works for you. So it might be morning, it might be night, it might be the Peloton, it might be a CrossFit style workout, it might be dancing, it might be yoga. You can get active in a ton of different ways and incorporate movement into your day in, a, in such a wide variety of ways. And there is no best routine. It is what works for you, your life, and your priorities. And there's not going to be a special sauce, you know, like, ooh, this special little recipe and I'm going to get all the muscles and, you know, that's not the case. You have to find what works for you. And that might take some experimenting for sure. You might find that you absolutely, you know, you, you hate CrossFit, but you love uh, bodybuilding style workouts or, you know, something like that. So um, do what works for you. Yeah, I think I answer a lot of questions in Facebook groups looking for kind of a framework. And I'm happy to provide a simple one because I do think having kind of some guide guidance helps a ton. But 
um, I always make sure to say like, this isn't set in stone. This is just sort of a jumping off point so that you can figure out what it's going to look like for you. More of this, less of that. Um, But I think something important to note that's very related to this is that what you enjoy the most isn't necessarily going to get you the results that you're looking for. And that's not really a problem. It's just something where you may need to decide where your priorities fall. Am I exercising just for my pure enjoyment or you know, for my mental health and sanity and that sort of thing? Great. Do whatever you enjoy. But if you have something specific that you're trying to achieve that may require you to focus your energy on something that isn't your favorite. And what I've found is that generally speaking, the things that we like the least are usually what we need the most. If there's an exercise you avoid or a certain um, style of workout you avoid... It's potentially because that's just a weakness for you and something that would serve you to devote some time to. So some examples of this might be you love to ride your Peloton, but your goal is to build muscle and you don't want to give up the cardio, but doing it in the quantity that you have been is counterproductive to building muscle. So you might need to decide, am I willing to scale back the cardio that I love and do more strength training that maybe I'm you know, lukewarm on? to get the physique, the look, the strength that is important to me. Maybe you want to move pain-free. We both had, I think, um, some experiences with wanting to, you know, with with core rehab and things like that, where I was having some back pain. And um, I didn't want to spend a lot of time doing these rehab exercises. I also didn't want my back to hurt every day. So I had to make a conscious choice to prioritize the rehab to get the result of being pain-free. And I think sometimes you need to have that conversation with yourself and decide, is my priority here a specific result or just general activity? And that's going to change what your kind of day-to-day actually looks like. So one of the biggest things that I have learned is that motivation is not reliable to get you to do the work and that you actually create motivation by putting in the action first. And once you start getting those results, once you start feeling how good it feels to work out, that's what breeds the motivation to continue. That's one of my favorites. And one of the biggest misconceptions, so many people, how do I get motivated you don't. Nobody's motivated all the time. Even us, even the people that you see and think they just love to do it. We don't. We've just made it routine over, again, literal years. And we show up even when we don't want to. And at this point, before we recorded, I was trying to think, like, would I say that I enjoy exercise? Because I think that's an assumption people have, is you must just love to work out. And again, I don't think I really so much love the act of working out. I love the way I feel afterwards and things like that. But I kind of liken it to breathing. Like I don't think, oh, I love to breathe. I just do it. And I really feel like that's what exercising, that's kind of the point I'm at with exercising. It's like, it's just not even a like a conscious thought. I just do it because it's what I do and it gets done and then that feels good. So I think, yeah, the the waiting for motivation, just stop. Schedule it. Like you said, put it in your calendar, keep the appointment like you would with anybody else that you care about. And like we've talked about in previous episodes, potentially parent yourself through kind of the whininess of like, "Ah, I don't want to, I'm tired, whatever, too bad. I said I was going to do it. I'm doing it. That's who I am. And you do that enough times and it 
does become who you are. Yeah, I think that parenting yourself through working out is so key because there are so many times that, you know, I want to throw a tantrum and just not do it because it's much more comfortable to sit on my lanai with a cup of coffee and not, well, I I take that back. It is not more comfortable to do that. In the moment, it feels more comfortable to do that. But in the big picture, the the working out and the lifting the weights, the getting my heart rate up, that's what's going to make me more comfortable in the in the big picture. So um, that brings us to our next point, which is find your people. That makes this all so much more enjoyable. We have a really active and supportive Facebook community um, with our coaching program. And I think it it just makes such a big difference when you have your people who are supportive of you, who are going through the same things, you know, that you have like interests, you have similar lifestyles. And, you know, these are people that you want to see consistently because they're doing the things that you're doing consistently. That's how we met. And, and look at us now. It really does help, especially... <laughs> I think so many women who kind of in the, the demographic that we work with are potentially starting to exercise consistently for the first time you know, ever or in a long time and often have existing social lives that are not focused on fitness or movement. And it can be really uncomfortable to kind of be the first person who's like, no, I don't want to go to happy hour. Do you want to meet me for a workout or a walk instead or something like that? So surrounding yourself with people who are living lifestyles that are like the ones you want to create for yourself makes a huge difference, whether that's in person or um, you know, over the internet, to just see that you're not this like weird outlier exercise freak, that you are in good company, maybe just not the people that you have been surrounding yourself with till now. Um, this is kind of going back a little bit to the motivation, but don't tell yourself that you hate to exercise or that you've never liked it or that you're not good at it because all you're going to do is continue to feel that way and continue to dread it. So when you're telling yourself, oh, I really don't want to work out today after work, but I have to. And like, well, of course you don't want to. But if you spent that same time reminding yourself how good you feel afterwards, how much you're looking forward to this new class, how much you want to see if you can increase your weight on this exercise or if you can beat your time. If you start focusing on the benefits instead of, you know, kind of the perceived downsides, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable. So, like I said, it's not necessarily about enjoying the act of the exercise, but remembering that the result that it helps you create is worth doing it. Yep. It's reframing your outlook on it, right? Just like with so many other things, what is it adding to your life rather than what's it, what it's taking away? Um, Ooh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we usually think in terms of, oh, this is, you know, this is 30 minutes. I, you know, I don't have, okay. Yes. It is taking 30 minutes away, but what's it adding? And generally speaking, focusing on the addition feels better than the subtraction. Well, and it's add, it's it's not only adding, I, I mean, we've touched on this before, but it's not only adding for right now and for today, but you know, you're putting it in the bank for the future as well. Um, which is it kind of leads to our next point in that you can't out exercise a bad diet. 
Well, here's another one nobody wants to hear. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. There are a ton of benefits to of exercise that have nothing to do with what your body looks like. But if that is a goal, which is well within your your right, then you're going to need to pay attention to nutrition. That's just how it is. There is no perfect combination of exercise. There is no perfect thought that will, whatever it is, it's going to come down to nutrition. And like I was talking about earlier with needing to decide, am I working out just for you know the the endorphins or am I working out for a specific result? This ties into that too. If you just want to show up and, and do something that you enjoy and move your body and sweat a little and feel good about it and check the box and know you're doing something good for your health, great. Keep doing that. But if you do have body composition goals or something specific that you're after, there is very most likely going to need to be some nutritional changes as well. I would say very, very likely there will be some, <laughs> some needs for that. So, um, so that being said, every little bit counts here, right? It, it doesn't have to be a rigid program to add to your fitness level. So maybe that is just parking further away whenever you can. I know these are all like cliches that you hear all the time, park further away, be inefficient with chores, you know, go for a 10 minute walk, even if you can't do 30. Those are all things that we hear again and again and again, and we dismiss as being too small, Mm -hmm. but those little itty bitty things are really what adds up in the the scheme of things. Um, You know, it is, those are the, those little choices are what add up to the big picture. That's really it. We think, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that already, but are you doing it? And if not, start there. It really doesn't need to be something big. You in our notes, you mentioned being inefficient with chores. That's one of my favorite things. Is I'll fold, you know, the never-ending um, slew of laundry, and then my inclination is to just load myself up, have all of the folded laundry, you know, above my head, and try to make it up the stairs in one go of it. But when I'm focused on just moving more, I'm like, oh, well, I'll take Madison's clothes first and I'll come back and I'll get Gray's clothes and I'll come back and I'll do my clothes. And boom, I can get you know a few thousand steps in just doing chores around the house. And then it feels like a, a double win. Not only did I get in all these steps, now all the house stuff is done. Um, so that that little stuff really does add up. And I think to that, really I would the add... Only way, oh, it's the only way that I get mopping done, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Because <laughs> it's a chore that I hate so much. But I know that after I've, we just moved into a new house, after I've mopped all these floors, like my step count is going to be pretty good. So all about the chores adding up for the activity. There's a perfect reframe right there. I'm not, uh, I'm not doing this mopping that I hate. I'm getting the steps that are going to be great for me. Um, so on this note, just you know, remembering that everybody starts somewhere and that it's okay to be new or feel out of place or need help. It's really the only way to learn. And then with that, being willing to evolve over time. As you know, we took you through our evolutions, what we're doing now for workouts is completely different from what we were doing 10, 15 years ago. So you're not signing up to do this thing Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon for the rest of your life. You're saying, right now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this habit. And then I'm going to sort of see where it takes me. Where one example of this could be, if you like to golf and you're mostly focused on, you know, that's what I want to do. That's the thing that I enjoy. But then you realize that 
if you were stronger, you would be able to hit further, it would improve your game. And now you've linked something new like strength training to something that you enjoy and want to be better at. So there are a ton of examples of that, but just kind of remember that it's going to change over time and that's fine. You don't want to be kind of bouncing from thing to thing every couple of weeks, but you do want to acknowledge that this is really a lifelong pursuit of health and happiness. And what that looks like at you know your current age is different than it's going to look in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. And if you are just starting out, I would say if you have the the resources to do it, to learn these movements with somebody who knows them. Learn well the first time, especially if you're picking up a new skill like weightlifting. Um, learn the good movements the first time so that you don't spend the next 10 years trying to fix your, your form like I have, um, just because I was so... Um, I was so into it being the exercise rather than the technique, if that makes sense. I was so into it being that calorie burn or, you know, um, the, the check of the box that I did it rather than learning to use the correct muscles for that correct movement. And I think that if you have the opportunity to learn from an expert, by all means do that. And that's one of the reasons why, um, we have form check videos in our in our coaching program, and any of our clients um, can get like their literal day checked by one of us. We have an exercise physiologist on staff, and she has a ton of great advice, and she can help you with that as well. So learn well the first time. That's such a good one. And I think exercising is such a good reminder or when you're exercising. It's a great reminder that you need to check your ego sometimes. I have had a lot of experiences like you where I get a little caught up in the moment. And I'm like, what matters most right now is that I hit a PR. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I just want to say that I did it. Or right now, all I care about is coming in you know, under the goal time or whatever it is. And I think as I've matured, I've gotten better able to remind myself that's not the actual goal. <laughs> that would feel good right now. But if I continue doing that, if I continue putting my ego first and sacrificing my, my safety, my form, I'm going to end up injured and incapacitated. So now I really focus more on, hang on, pause for a second. It would feel good to do that. However, you also want to be moving pain-free in 40 years. And if that means scaling back or slowing down or modifying or whatever it is, I'm going to do that because the long-term matters more to me than this individual workout. Which brings you to your next point of how important rest and recovery are. Yes. So important. You guys, I can't tell you how many people I see who are scared of taking rest days or feel like if I take one day off the bike, I'm scared that I'm never going to go back. And I, you know, I don't feel like I need rest. So, you know, I'm just listening to my body and my body hasn't said to rest for, you know, six weeks. <laughs> we just rest, rest and recovery is one of the most important components of this. That is when your body actually Come, become stronger. That's when you maximize the benefits of your workout. So if you're not taking rest days, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're putting out and putting out and putting out and not actually reaping maximal benefit from it. So 
you should be taking rest days. I don't know. I don't know specifics about any of you listening, but I can tell you, you should be taking rest days. And that high intensity workouts should not be the focus of your week. If you like them, sprinkle them in maybe a couple times, but really as we age, and like we talked about earlier, less is more. The consistency, the focus, the strategy is going to make you more successful than just running your body into the ground. And I think that prioritizing sleep is part of this. So not only does it allow you to maybe do the um, the early morning workouts <laughs> that you have been putting off, but it just makes you feel better throughout the day, right? And one of the I, I've talked about this a lot, but I quit drinking in 2016, so a while ago, and. One of the reasons why I did was because I realized how much better I sleep and how much better my mornings were. And I'm not saying that you need to do this, but definitely don't sleep on sleep. And you actually just did a podcast, I think it's podcast number 79 um, on sleep. And I am encouraging all of my clients to um, listen to that and that there may be a pop quiz on it because sleep is just the bee's knees. It really is. I think I see so many people kind of burning the candle at both ends and going to bed late, waking up early to try to exercise and not realizing that that hour was probably better spent sleeping than doing a mediocre workout because you're so tired. Um, And if that is an ongoing issue where you don't you can't both sleep enough and exercise, then I would say that warrants a look at kind of your lifestyle overall and figuring out how can I better manage things so that it's possible for me to both sleep and move my body in intentional ways. Okay, you have a few. I want to I want to end with uh with the one that I have left and I know you have a few more. Why don't you go through kind of the um the ones you have there at the bottom about sort of setting the stage for workouts that you'll show up for. Yeah. So these are just some basic things you can do. Um, One of the things that I like to do is I buy clothes that make me feel good. I buy the Lulu. I buy, you know, the Noble. I, I know, I understand that, um, you know, it's a bit of a privilege, but it makes me show up as more of an energetic, happy person. And they're clothes that flatter me right now, you know, and not, you know, whatever my goal is I like to feel good where I am right now. And, you know, it might not be shorts or tanks or a sports bra for you, but maybe it's a pair of uh, like a fun pair of shoes. Um, so remember that when you no longer fit into the clothes that you're wearing now, um, or if they just don't make you excited anymore, maybe buy some new ones. There are so many places you can also buy like used workout clothes. I think Poshmark and like there's so many places. So, um, feeling good in your clothes is literally feeling good in your second skin. And I think that that affects how you show up. So just my personal little thing that I like to do. Um, the second thing would be to make your workout space a place that you want to be. So that might mean getting a good speaker. It might mean having a pretty rug. It might mean having you know fairy lights. Uh, one of my clients just got a neon sign that's really cool for her workout space. It might mean a mirror. It might mean no mirrors. Just make it a place that you want to show up. Um, so those are my those are the two little things that I I thought that make make 
it better for me in my workout space. I love those. I think if you if you follow both of us on social media, you'll see that Meg is a much better dressed exerciser than I am. <laughs> I'm kind of this. The, the thing that's appealing to me is like not needing to feel presentable. You guys have seen sometimes I'm in my jammies, I'm I'm barefoot, um, but I I think this is great advice, and I see you know a lot of people getting excited about new Peloton clothes or visiting a new gym and getting a shirt there. Yeah, whatever little boost you can get to remind you that this is the thing that you want to do, like why not? It doesn't matter if it feels silly that you're shopping for fairy lights for your you know home gym. If that's something that makes you want to be in that space and is more likely to nudge you over the edge of actually showing up and doing the thing, and then that will put you in a position where it becomes habitual and you're going to show up, period, take every little advantage you can get. Plus, it's fun to do the shopping. So good. Okay. So let's end on, um, I don't know, I think this is kind of a good note to, to end on. And our last two points really go hand in hand. So mine was that there's no urgency. I know that I am going to be exercising for forever. And what that's done is allowed me to take all the pressure off of feeling like I need immediate results. I was actually just thinking, I did a workout yesterday or so where I was doing kettlebell swings overhead. And I was using a weight that I have a very vivid memory of not even being willing to try probably like five years ago. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was before Mattis. I think we had driven from Virginia Beach to Memphis for Christmas and we stopped at a gym in Western Virginia. And I remember Gray telling me like, you could try, like you're strong enough, you could do it. And I just I just wouldn't. I just didn't think I could. Um, and now I do that weight easily. So for me now, I'm not looking at my progress in you know day over day or week over week. I'm looking back six months or I'm looking back three years and saying, not only am I not getting weaker with age, I'm actually getting fitter with age and I'm seeing more muscle definition and, and I am seeing this progress, but it's subtle. And if I were so focused on this week or this month, I would think nothing was changing. So I really encourage you to zoom out and see what you can be proud of in the longer term. And that applies not just to exercise, but also to you know, nutrition. You're always going to be eating. For the rest of your life, you're going to be eating. So instead of trying to force, you know, I need to be this weight by this day, or this needs to be easy by then, just give yourself, give yourself a break. And let it take however long it needs to, to really get cemented and be able to look back and say, well, last vacation, I you know, <laughs> ate, my, ate my body weight at the buffet. And this vacation, I was a lot more intentional and I came back feeling so much better. That's progress. Looking year over year and seeing the improvements that you're making. Um, and then a point that you made once, Meg, was about how much more time we're all going to spend in maintenance than in a weight loss phase. And I think that's just such a good point is that you hopefully sooner than later will be done losing weight, however long that takes, you know, six months, a year, two years, five years, but you're always going to have to make an intentional commitment to your health. And I think when you give yourself that perspective that I'm not just doing this to lose weight, I'm doing this for my health and my happiness, you're a lot better able to just kind of settle in for showing up, doing your best and recognizing that that's really all it takes. If you show up consistently and give your best, 
your best is going to get better over time. And then it's inevitable that you can look back and see the progress that you've made. And that brings us to extremes are usually dumb. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's the average Joe doing double day, you know, d- CrossFit double days or 75 hard or hashtag no days off. I think, you know, I think that there are instances where these kinds of things make sense. So if you're training for a marathon, um, a powerlifting competition, a bodybuilding show, you have to get extreme in those instances. But most of the time, extremes just means that you're not really doing anything but that one thing well. So I was super myopic when I was bodybuilding. You were there the whole time with me and it literally took over my life. Um, it was not part of my life's style. It was my life. And it just wasn't extreme. It just wasn't sustainable. Extremes are not sustainable. And that's why they're called extremes. So, um, you know, it, 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 if you stay extreme, it will probably cause some sort of sickness, some sort of injury, burnout. You know, even if, it, even if you're going extreme for just a week, how long can you go balls to the wall before you're like, yeah, I need, no, I'm done. Like that just sounds miserable. So we are all about sustainability. Um, And as all of you know, my favorite word is consistency. Consistency is our superpower. And we just want to keep doing the things most days in a way that we enjoy consistently. I love this one. Because I think you're right that there's, you know, there is a time that you do need to be extreme. For example, if you're training for a marathon or a bodybuilding show, you do need to have this like really hyper focus and be really dialed in. And that's not a problem. I think the problem becomes when we adjust our expectations to make that the norm. And then we don't know where to go from there. We can't maintain, we can't do more than that. We also can't maintain that for forever. And then it feels really bad. We feel like we're backsliding when really what's happening is we're just trying to find a better place of balance. Like the pendulum is always going to swing the other way. And a lot of times we're just not prepared for it. So I think acknowledging that if I want to do something that you know would be considered relatively extreme, what is my longer term strategy? What's my exit plan? How am I going to go from that to you know kind of back to moderation moderation and normalcy without it really kind of rocking? my identity and that sort of thing. This has been so fun. I think were, these lessons are really cool to reflect on. I hope that you guys enjoyed hearing them and have taken a thing or two away from them. Meg, thank you so much for being here. The episodes with you are always a good time. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash foundations for all the info about our six-week group coaching program, Foundations, designed to help you remove every obstacle standing in between you and the weight loss you've been after.